Welcome to Meanwhile, episode 15. Today, Michael and I take one of our listeners up on a topic that's really important to her by jamming out on the topic of ego. We talk about the egoic pull we all experience from time to time that can undermine our relationships and our workplace outcomes. Throughout the episode, we try to come clean on the moments where our own egos have gotten the better of us, as well as confront our own egoic tendencies as they rear their heads in the midst of this very podcast conversation. Let's jump in. Hello, world. <laughs> this is Michael, Michael Melcher in New York. And Michael Terrell out in San Francisco. And it's Meanwhile. And today we have a tricky and fascinating topic that we are going to try to slay for the benefit of our listeners called Egos versus Outcomes. And this comes from a suggestion by a fan, friend of Michael Terrell, friend of the pod, who writes... I have an idea for a future episode, egos versus outcomes. And she gives a couple of examples. For example, people correcting each other in conversations and meetings when someone misuses a tangential statistic or fact, or more generally, the need for ownership of ideas or visible responsibilities instead of sharing praise and responsibilities in a way that builds team things. And our correspondent thinks of these as adult temper tantrums, uh, the difference between falling prey to the ego's need to feel heard and seen and powerful versus having a more mature attitude and cultivating meaningful outcomes-oriented connections. So lots of words there, but we're going to take it on and uh, talk about what this issue is, uh, where it shows up, what the underlying ingredients are, and what we can do about it, all in less than 30 minutes. And Miguel... On the West Coast, I believe you have an illustration of this very topic that occurred in your own life. Yeah, guilty. I was recently at a wedding, and I was standing there with my good friends, and, a, and a, two of whom are engaged to each other. And I walked up. We each had a cocktail in our hands. Uh, the wedding had just ended. And the husband says to the wife, he says something like, babe, you're always trying to make me do something different than what I want to do. And I, I feel like that's what that's your game. That's what you're always trying to do. And he happens to be a graduate of the business school at Stanford. And uh, he knows that I work there and facilitate the course we've referenced before called Interpersonal Dynamics, aka Touchy Feely, where we actually teach a feedback model that's based on feelings. And so I walk up and I overhear him saying, I feel like blah, 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 blah to his fiance. And I, I look over at him and I say, Sagar, now you know you're crossing the net with the way you said that, <laughs> which is me basically That's... chastising him in the frame of the course, <laughs> saying you're doing it wrong. This is not what we teach. It's like a Scientology command. It was. It's like I was, you know, he was Tom Cruise and I was doing some sort of, you know, what is it, Dianetics? Yeah. Basically, yeah, I was, so I was doing So how did best. he react to your helpful suggestion? Well, he was so just flattered by my egoic lash out. He sort of looked at me and, you know, it was still kind of playful and he, he indulged me. He said, all right, so I felt judged, babe, when you said that and he sort of looks over at me. <laughs> and, and then to my horror, when I look back on it now, I, I turned to him and said, well, Sagar, you know, that's 
also kind of problematic because, you know, when you say I feel judged, judge isn't really a feeling word. It sort of connotes intention by the other person. And <laughs> you can just see him sort of now move into a full on eye roll and say something like, okay, to make Mikey happy, hun, I felt hurt by the way you said that. And I was sort of becoming mortified as I was watching myself interact in this. Cause like, why am I coming down on my buddy here in this very beautiful, chill social situation that I think it started off playfully, but now he's sort of just bending to my will in a way that felt really, really awkward. And I look back on it and I'm like, why did I do that? So how does this relate to our topic of ego versus outcomes? It relates because if I look back at that moment, it seems like my ego was more at play. My desire to be significant or to matter or to be the teacher uh, in that interaction was more important than the outcome, which was probably what I what did I desire to just be playful and connect and have nice conversation with friends, sort of celebrate the moment. But I lost sight of that and instead showed up in some sort of uh, way where I wanted to be in control or the powerful one. And it didn't and it was embarrassing and I don't think really got me what I wanted in the end, which I only realized after the fact. This can show up a lot. It can show up in social situations. It can show up in business situations. We can see it in others. Often people who just have this uh, incredible need to get their point across and talk and be the one that makes the decision and have everybody listen to them. But it also shows up uh, with, with ourselves. This is very much of a self-management thing. And it could be dramatic situations. It can also be silly situations. So I... um. I listened to a few podcasts, and there's this one that I really enjoy called Bitch Sesh by these two comedians, Daniel Schneider and Casey Rose Wilson. And it's actually about the Real Housewives series, and I don't watch any of them, nor the other Bravo shows that are part of their pantheon. But they're so funny. Um, it's just great entertainment. However, they don't use the nominative and objective pronouns correctly. <laughs> What, will you tell us what those are again, Michael, for those of us That's, who are off uh, our grammar most, game? <laughs> I versus me, um, he versus him, etc. Mm. And in particular, they will frequently say, it struck Casey and I, or he gave it to Danielle and I, or just between Casey and I. And when I hear this steam comes out of my ears, it really bugs me when huh. people in responsible positions can't get this. And so at a certain point, um, I just stopped listening to this podcast because it really bugged me. And I think I even tried to write an email to them asking them to correct this. Really? Oh, yeah. And they have tens of thousands of fans. I'm but one of them. Uh And then I thought, wow, I'm denying myself this really pleasant experience. It feels a certain kind of energy in my life, (laughs) a certain kind of driving delight, and they're Mm -hmm. really funny. And just because I'm so bugged that they are not using grammar uh, in the way I was taught and felt should be maintained. So when we fall prey to this ego thing, it can cut our own enjoyment. I'm not better off by not listening to this podcast. I would like to listen to this podcast and be happy doing so and not get so wigged out over this. Yeah. Well, and and it reminds me a bit of my story from the wedding too, which is oftentimes when this happens, like I come from an ego place, I'm not fully aware of what I really want out of the situation. Like, did I really want to create this sort of awkward, stilted exchange with my friends or did I want to have just a more lighthearted, you know, connected time? Or for you, did do you really want to deprive yourself of this, you know, enjoyment as you drive, you know, to and fro or or 
not, you know? And so oftentimes when we lash out with these, this ego resistance, we like, we cut ourselves off for something that we, we didn't want to We right. don't get what we want. So let's talk about where we think it comes from. So I have a couple of ideas here. Yeah. Why don't you start um, us off? <laughs> well, the first is that we, we confuse ego with outcomes. And what does that mean? Well, you're in a meeting or you're having a discussion or an argument with somebody and you're saying a lot of words and you have a point of view and the other person has a different point of view. And it's very easy to think that that point of view or that set of words you're saying is actually the outcome you're trying to get, whereas the outcome might be different. So you have an example? So a few years ago, I had this idea in my firm that we should hire an operations manager. And I had this guy in mind on the East Coast. And we had never really hired that kind of role before. And so we were having a partner meeting at a kind of nice offsite uh, off the peninsula in San Francisco. You know, I kind of brought up my point, and then my partners were raising objections. And at a certain point, I just had this freak out. Like, I actually had to leave the room, and I my chest was heaving, and I felt dizzy. And I don't know what the fig was going on, but I was very attached to this sort of thing, and I felt like I got to get my way, and I can't stand it that I'm not getting there. Um, mm. And really what I wanted was a good way of managing our company. I wanted good processes. Um, I wanted to be heard. I wanted a good relationship with this um, person I'd found on the East Coast, as opposed to people actually um, agreeing with me in, in the moment. So mm. in that moment, I was confusing my ego, which was attached to this one particular issue in this one conversation mm-hmm. with with the better outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, a second thing is not even thinking about the outcome. So we get in this all the time. People will have arguments about what to do or where to go or how to run things without really thinking about what they're trying to get out of a particular situation. Totally. I think that ties very tightly to both of our examples we've already shared. A third thing is confusing instant agreement with recognition and appreciation. In other words, if people are not grasping my point right now, um, they're not appreciating me and they don't care about me um, and they don't get me and they don't recognize me. Mm. But most dialogue goes back and forth over time. And it takes a while for people to understand each other, to brainstorm different things, to kind of work things through. And if we are caught up in immediately getting our way or being recognized, we're not really open to this longer kind of of dialogue. Hmm. And I actually feel this happens sometimes when we do our podcasts because we correct each other in terms of stopping at certain points and saying, I think you should try that line again or that last uh-huh. three sentences you said kind of sucked or whatever. Sure. Uh, and, and I do this more than you, to you. So I sort of feel like... <laughs> Maybe I should not do that. As you much. egoic perpetrator, as I just did, listeners, about three minutes ago. All of my stuff for the last few minutes has just been cut out. Everyone, y'all. yeah, it, yeah. Uh, just imagine it in there. Oh my god, so many but stories. It, about but Michael like Melcher has cut it out. Yeah, wedding. You'll never know. Buddies. You'll never know. Yeah. Yes. Anytime that word buddy comes up, I'm like, cut. Uh, <laughs> Hate buddies. Where? What do you think about where all this stuff comes from? Miguel? Well, well, like I'm picking up a theme and. The theme to me seems like we we lash out from an ego place uh, because there, we want to protect something that we're at risk of losing. It's we're at risk of not being recognized by our colleagues or being listened to or not mattering or or we confuse 
you know, my point for being the ultimate right thing we need to do. And so I need to protect the group from a bad decision. So, uh, it, I think these things come from like this under potentially an underlying fear of something, you know, big and bad happening either to the group or to the relationship or most often to, to me and my status, uh, within the group. And so, and, and that's usually beyond the, the realm of our own awareness. You know, like if I uh, apply that, this idea, even to the story I started with, it's like, why'd you do what you did, man? Like, where's this coming from? And it was probably like, Oh, once we've, once I've acknowledged that, that my field of expertise is in play, like it started with this playful, like Sagar, I know you take touchy feely, you know, I facilitate touchy feely. And, you know, the first little exchange of it was playful, but now all of a sudden the stakes subconsciously were like, oh, and this is Michael, this is my expertise. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. I started my company. I'm a coach. This is what I do. So can I just ask if you had just been seen as, oh, here's just like this tall, young wedding guest um, that we know nothing about. That too. Yes. But, But that would sort of not be enough like you wanted it known on some unconscious level that you're somebody and they have a point of view and an expertise uh, yeah it's sort of what it seems like particularly like once it was named right it started with like a playful naming of me in that role and then you know when he when he sort of didn't do it right quote unquote with the first time it's like oh well it's now been named in front of some people or even just within my own mind that this is my thing i gotta see this through now i can't just let it go Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, letting I think <laughs> that that's a good dynamic. That's how, how we end up doubling down, um, right? But, you know, what would it be like if we just let go? If we let something be incomplete? If we let somebody maybe not fully getting who we who we are? I think that's exactly right. You know, I could have left it kind of early on in the exchange, unresolved in my mind, but everyone else would have been fine with that. Sagar, his fiance, our other friends. They're not going to be. They're not going to know that when he said, "I felt judged," blah blah blah. That that's not, you know, the right word to use. Everyone would have been fine. It would have been unresolved and open. I was the one who felt a like a latent anxiety or stress about it and needed to continue it. What you're pointing to is what are the underlying assumptions that we have about how we have to express ourselves and lead our lives. And yeah. a few episodes ago, in our New Year's episode, we referenced something called Immunity to Change, which is um, a book and a methodology of the same kind by Robert Keegan and Lisa Leahy at Harvard Ed School. And by the way, the fact that I just said Ed School so that I could distinguish that it's not overall Harvard as a particular thing is a kind of little snobbery that I seem to need to say. <laughs> well, it's, it's amazing how it leaks out, you know, even over the course of uh, us talking and recording these podcasts. You know, earlier I noticed you mentioned the, the retreat, a rather nice retreat on the peninsula in San Francisco. It's these little ways. So that we... people know that I'm very familiar with the environment of the Bay Area and <laughs> right. what is a cool place not. Okay. Right. So Local jargon. Yes. Immediate change. What it says is that whenever we have a positive goal that that involves certain change, we are often doing things that counteract that goal, either doing or not doing things that get in the way. And underlying this is a type of anxiety of what would happen if I weren't doing these things that kind of go against this this goal. And they're what they would term competing commitments. So in the example here, the competing commitment might be, you know, I'm really afraid that if I don't let people know who I am and what my training is and kind of what my job is, that uh, 
I'll be nothing. I'll just mm-hmm. be some random guest. And mm-hmm. therefore, I'm committed to letting everybody know what my brand is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I might have a fear that if people are just tuning in, they might not fully get that I'm, you know, sophisticated and versed in all these different areas. So I need to drop little names like the Peninsula and Harvard Ed School, not Harvard University, into mm-hmm. the conversation to kind of create that little glimpse of, of mm-hmm. sophistication. And these competing commitments they talk about, they're not very noble. It's like, I'm committed to maintaining control, or I'm committed to people never doubting my expertise, or I'm right. committed to... Um, everybody liking me and nobody ever saying anything against me or mm-hmm. I'm committed to not being overlooked ever, right? And when we dig into this, we can actually see some of the fears that might be driving this need to have the kind of ego statements that we do. And and their analysis goes further, which is, well, what are the assumptions that underlying these, these commitments? It's sort of like, yeah. I assume that if I just showed up at a wedding and was just a guy talking to some people, then nobody would really know who I am and maybe my business would fail and I would mm-hmm. just kind of fall flat. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I might assume that unless we sketch out all the angles to this topic before we talk and unless I'm really on you, Michael Terrell, and like cut back the verbiage or what have you, that we're going to have some kind of a sloppy product and people will then think I'm, you know, a dimwit and have no future in the media or or whatever, right? It it can get a little ugly, but by getting into this, we can free ourselves from this need to just win all the time and from the ego's need to just uh, be noticed and recognized and get credit and, and, and put ourselves first rather than being a bit more open to, to everything else that might happen. Yeah. Well, so how can our listeners, do something about this if this is at play for themselves uh, or for uh, you know the people they work with. This this stuff's hard and it comes from these deep places, like you were just saying. Like, what are the first few steps people can take? Let's share some tips. Okay, well, let's first talk about us ourselves. Uh, you know, we have I control like of ourselves, right? Yeah. Step number one is <laughs> trying to notice if you're actually doing this. A couple questions: Is your internal temperature rising? Are you feeling panicky? So at the partner meeting I had a few years ago, I I could feel like I was almost hyperventilating. I was getting dizzy, like Mm -hmm. something was going on. Mm -hmm. Second question is, are you trying to control something? What would happen if you didn't control it? So in your wedding example, yeah, what if you weren't trying to control what message they were getting? Uh, What would happen then? Yeah. And the third thing is, what is my narrative? Um, What is the storyline that I'm constructing? And it often is, I need to speak now, or what? What will happen? Or if I just go along and don't correct this person's grammar or their pronunciation of Guatemala, let's say, um, <laughs> what, what's going to happen there? So that's part of just even identifying if we're in it. Uh, and a fourth thing I'd add in there is notice if you're, you're repeating yourself or your point a lot. If you're hearing the same or similar words come out of your mouth, it's ironic I'm saying this because I sometimes do this. Uh, that might be a sign that you're having some ego need that's not being met. That's great. Yeah. So then if you are in these situations, two simple questions. Number one, what is the outcome you want? And it's probably a little bit different from what you're actually saying. Yeah. The second is, what is the outcome other people want um that you're with Mm. uh and and start with that 
And then you can move into active listening, which conveniently was the um, topic two podcasts ago. So how you can look s- how we set that up? <laughs> how you can stay in dialogue because the active listening will make sure you understand the other person. It'll make them feel heard, and it also buys you time during which you don't have to live in that ego place. Um, you can sort of really evaluate what you're trying to accomplish. So yeah, seemingly simple. Uh, check it out and see how that works. I, I love the plug for listening just because I think our podcast is awesome. <laughs> and when there's <laughs> – we rock. And uh, when there's somebody else in an you know egoic hijack moment, they're not feeling heard. They're not feeling listened to. They're not feeling acknowledged. And so if you go to that skill set, it's a great way to diffuse where they are and to get back on the sort of outcome train as opposed to nurturing their ego. So that then swings us around to the other side, which is what do you do when other people are dealing with this? And – you know, it, it strikes me that we tend to notice this most in other people, and yet most of our discussion here is about how you manage yourself. Um, and I think yeah. that's kind of natural because, to some degree, our podcast is how you can be a better person, even if there's no guarantee that other people will try to become better people. <laughs> but our bet is that yeah. if you do become a better person through these different techniques, you will actually be happier and you'll be more effective, irrespective whether other people kind of get get on the train as well. However, right. for those times that you are with with somebody, I think, number one, you can use active listening. You can just repeat back what they're saying because the ego wants to be paid attention to. So to the extent you're paying attention to it, it will resolve some of that. And the second thing is you can ask a good open-ended, powerful question. What outcome do you want? And you can add a few different things. What outcome do you want on this issue? What outcome do you want in this discussion? What outcome do you want for our working relationship? What outcome you want for the bigger picture? Because often behind any issue, there might be a, a bigger issue that um, hasn't yet been identified. And then just sit mm. and, and listen and see what they come up with. I love it. Wow. I feel like we've been through a lot today. <laughs> we have. <laughs> So I think we're going to leave it here, and listeners, unbeknownst to you, but now announced, we just had a little offline chat about the fact that our tips this week seem really long and a little bit convoluted, and we're thinking we should make it a bit more precise. And then we're like, no, we're just gonna we're gonna step aside from the ego place and just let it be what it is, and uh, see what it feels like having a somewhat <laughs> unwieldy episode. <laughs> so let us know, guys, and gals and people of any um, gender presentation gender persuasion presentation yes, we expect <laughs> I just, presentation I just did it again all right did, that, did you just correct I me did. that's enough gender presentation <laughs> so that's the a, that's irony they never all right everyone keep listening and we'll be back another week or two much love bye michael